Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Glenn Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Good morning. It's good to see you all. I'm not actually going to use my Bible this morning, but I figure if I don't open it and put it up here, people would be like, where do you get all this stuff? So it's just, it's basically a prop, you know, that's, if you're new, that was a joke, and all right, we're going to get right into it. Um, I've been, uh, I've been stirring over this message actually um, for a couple months. Sometimes we do that, right? Sometimes the Lord just speak. I'm talking about pastors, some of y'all are like, we've never preached, we don't know if we do that or not, um, but sometimes the Lord will just give a word, and you're like, boom, that's, that's the, that's the rhema, that's the now word, you know, it's a Kairos moment, this is going to get preached this week, and then sometimes, you know, we kind of develop a sermon based on something the Lord says, but the Lord goes, hold on to it, and it'll keep, well, I'm going to ho- kind of hold on to this one, waiting to develop it out, and this week I sat down, and I was like, all right, I'm going to, this, I think this is it. I'm working on all my notes, and even on Friday, I'm like, I'm almost done with it, and I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's, the, not, I don't know if it's good. I just don't know if it's, if it's this week. I'm like, Lord, I just want to make sure, like, I want your timing, 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 and so I, I go, hey, I'm going to listen to Mike from last Sunday. I'm like, Mike Fela, are you going to hear next week? And uh, I said, I'll just listen to his message from last Sunday, so I turn it on, and he preaches from a different passage and different, basically, um, uh, plat or um, starting point than I do, but he makes some of the exact same points word for word that are in my notes, word for word that are in my notes. And I was like, oh, it's this week. I was like, oh, it, and so, but I love that. He, Lord didn't have to do that, but it just gives me a lot more confidence. So whether it gives you confidence is kind of up to you, but uh, yeah, you should be happy about it. All right, Lord, I pray that, that you would do uh, everything that's already been prayed. Everything, the, Father, that we would, we would humble ourselves before you, open our ears and our hearts to what you would have us to walk away with today, Father, that we would leave having you as Lord over every area of our lives, encouraged and built up in faith, hope, and love, and ready, Lord, to bring heaven to earth in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're talking about uh, lordship today in the context of tithing and giving. I'm going to tell you a funny story, and I love preaching about giving and tithing. It's probably one of my favorite subjects. I'm writing a book about it right now. I've loved it. First time I ever preached about tithing and giving is years ago. One of the first times I ever preached, actually, and um, which God bless my senior pastor at the time. I don't know what he was thinking, but he's like, yeah, we want you to preach once a month. I'm like, why? Like, we have like 300 people in our church, and like, you've never heard me preach, and he's like, yeah, I want you to. I'm like, okay. So I get up there, preach about giving. I open up my notes or whatever, and I say, today we're going to talk about tithing. And this new couple that had walked in gets up and leaves. No joke. I see, I see a look on their face. They're just like, they, you know, they're kind of like ready, ready, ready. And it's like, and they're out and they're gone. And I was like, <gasps> I mean, I didn't really care, but I was like, oh, no. Like for them, I was like, oh, no, what are you doing? And, uh, you know, Kaylee's like, maybe they had an emergency, right? She's about that, everything, you know. <laughs> Every single person that cuts me off on the highway is on the way to have a baby. Every one of them. I'm like, why are all these people in labor driving on the freeway? <laughs> like, Kaylee's a hopeless optimist, and I'm a hopeless realist. So, um, but anyways, anyways, so they get up and leave. So that happened, and then 
In the same message, I've shared this with you before, but you didn't know it was the same message. The exact same message, I give no evangelistic altar call, right? I'm not preaching the gospel unto salvation. This message, message is about tithing, which is part of the gospel, but it, it, it's in the, and a guy gets saved. Yeah. In the same message, I never, I never even said, do you want to give your life to the Lord? This guy just comes forward after the prayer. He's like, I need to give my life to the Lord. I'm like, why? I'm like, I'm like, is that what you heard me say? Anyways, I was just, I was kind of, seriously, in my spirit, I was like, but do you tithe? No, and the Lord, you know, and the Lord's like, whoa, you know, one, one step at a time here. This is a good thing. So that's my, like, intro into preaching about giving and stuff like that. For one couple leaves and another guy gets saved. So I have no idea if it changed people's outlook on giving or generosity or not, but God's good. So, all right. If this topic kind of makes you cringe, um, there could be a couple reasons for that. One I'm going to talk about uh, in a little bit, but another one might be because you have a legitimate bad experience, like a church wound, or you've witnessed abuses, right? And I'm just, I'm sorry for what you've witnessed, and, uh, and I, I've witnessed it too, and it's horrible. And uh, if you've been taught that, like, God measures your spirituality based on how much wealth you have, right? Like, the richer you are, the more spiritual you are. That's a lie, but the only bigger lie is that God measures your spirituality based on how little you have or your lack, right? They're both wrong. They're both wrong. It's all, it, that, those are both polar opposites of this pendulum swinging that are both lies. So God does not measure your spirituality based on how much wealth you, like the richer you are doesn't mean you have, you know, some sort of deeper connection with the Lord, but it's also the poorer you are doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that also. So we know that God teaches us to pray on earth as it is in heaven, and to get God's perspective on this, we have to know that heaven is filled with abundance, not lack, okay? So, but God's view of abundance doesn't necessarily always line up with what the world's view of abundance looks like. Do you guys understand that? So we have to keep God's perspective in all of this, okay? All right. That's it. Have a good week. We'll see you all. And uh, no, okay. Um, but seriously, if you have a church wound or if, you know, if you're, you're, maybe you're in a church or your pastor just every other week had, was preaching about tithing or, or you know, Oh, gosh, guys, I heard a story one time of a pastor that made a non-tithers board and posted it in the lobby of his church. <laughs> Seriously, I saw a picture of it online. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I laughed really hard. And then I was like, oh, Jesus, please help him. And, it, and he got, the article was like, you know, people, everybody left, even the tithers. <laughs> I was like, oh, that backfired. So if you've been a part of something like that, I'm so sorry. But I just really encourage you to forgive because, because forgiveness just breeds bitterness. And it's just that wall that got talked about already here today, that chokehold that the enemy uses against us. So just, just let it go. Let it go. I'm sorry. Um, so I've said this before. I believe it to my core. That was not supposed to rhyme. You want more, more, more? Um, I really believe that, I believe, believe, everybody say believe. believe. Like I believe that River in the Hills is going to be a church where 100% of its members tithe to a local church. I, I believe it. I really do. I've never believed that about another church. It, not that it's not possible, but I told Glenn and Kyle, and it's like the first month that I was here in 2016, I was like, wow, I really believe that that this is going to be a church where 100% of our people tithe. And you guys got to know that in, in church-wise statistics, that's 
they would, many would say impossible. I've heard lots of pastors say it's impossible. You'll never get there. Um, a lot of churches have 10% of the people doing 90% of the giving. A really, really healthy church, by this is like Barna standards and statistical stuff, a really, really healthy church has 50% of its, like half. And if you tip the half scale, if you have more than 50% of your people tithing, your people are like, teach me your ways. What are you doing? You know, like what, what you know, and that's the attitude out there. I've read these books, I've, I've read the statistics, and it's sad because God's standard is that everybody, all of his kids, all of his family tithes and gives. And, and I'm going to define these things in just a second. So, um, but I really believe that not only is it possible, I believe we're going to see it, and I believe it's going to be a marker where at, that actually shifts things uh, for our church, where we're going to see uh, the heavens open up like never before when we hit that point. We're not there yet, uh, but I believe we'll get there, okay? We stand before the Lord in a lot of different ways. We stand before him individually, right? The priesthood of the believer, each of you have your own personal, hopefully personal relationship with Jesus. And then you stand before him uh, as a family unit or as a husband and a wife, right? And, and you, you come to him together, and the Lord looks first at the husband as the spiritual head of the household for accountability, right? And then to the family unit, right? We stand before him as pastors and teachers. We stand before him accountable for what we teach and preach and, the, and the, as being under shepherds for the good shepherd, right? We stand before him like that, but we also stand before him as a church, right? In a lot of ways, he looks at you as a member of River in the Hills Church, and we come before him as a church and can answer for things as a church, okay? So, because I believe that's true, Second uh, Corinthians 9.6, it's a very, very popular verse. We're going to be looking into it uh, in a few, or a few different verses from Second Corinthians 9. But the first one says, verse 6, it says, Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. The principle of sowing and reaping is timeless. Old Testament, New Testament, Now Testament, whatever you want to say. It's sow, reap, reap, sow. That's just the way that it is. Um, so I really believe that not only do I, or I really want, I should say, not only for each of you individually to reap a harvest, but I want River in the Hills, as we stand before the Lord, to go, hey, we, we sowed generously, therefore we are now going to reap generously. And that, that reaping will look uh, like a lot of things, but souls, miracles, encounters, breakthroughs, deliverances. I mean, like, act, like greater power of the Lord being poured out. Somebody say amen so you, I know you're following me and awake. Got to talk to me. Stay awake. Okay. Um, all right. Sometimes the issue is, and we're going to talk about a few things, but sometimes the issue is that we confuse our seed and our bread, right? We're talking about sowing and reaping. Okay. Uh, verse 10, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10, actually says, Now he who supplied the seeds of God, he who supplied the seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. This is such an amazing promise, you guys. Did you see that? It's such an amazing promise. But we can't make the mistake of eating our seed or, or sowing our bread, right? That's just, that's just stupid, right? Which farmer... When you go out to the field and you're like, bro, you got like 900 acres here. You're like, what are you going to do with it? And you see him in the corner and with a bag of seeds, like, <laughs> just eating his seeds. You'd be like, this dude's crazy. Take him to the seed house. I mean, the nut house. 
You can't make that mistake. You, but you also don't want to make this probably a less common mistake, but you don't want to make the mistake of sowing your bread either. I had this happen one time this, several years ago after church. Somebody comes up to me, somebody younger than me, um, and, they, uh, and they slap a $100 bill in my hand. They're like, hey, the Lord wants, me, wants you to have this. And I'm like, wow, that was super generous of you. Five minutes later, I turn around. I didn't hear the Lord. I just turn around. I want to be generous. I give it to somebody else. Hey, here, the Lord wants you to have that. They're like, oh. So I'm leaving out the door. Somebody else walks up to me, slaps a $100 bill in my hand. Hey, the Lord wanted you to have this. And the Lord's like, this is bread. Please stop trying to sow your bread. <laughs> you can sow seed, but please stop trying to sow your bread. You understand? So it was like in that moment, the Lord's like, no, I, this is for you. This is for you. And I'm 100% convinced, and you will not convince me otherwise, that if I would have handed that $100 bill to somebody else, someone else would have come up to me and given me another $100 bill because the Lord wanted me to have it. It was bread. So what did I do? I kept it. Probably spent it on food, literally bread. So there we go. All right. Now you got it. All right, look at this. Matthew 22, it'll be up on the screen, or you can follow along. This particular one's out of the New King James Version. I know. I know how to read that one, too. Uh, Matthew 22, verses 15 through 21, it says that the Pharisees, they went and they plotted how they might entangle Jesus in his talk. It's just not a good idea, but they do it a lot. And they sent, him, they sent their disciples to him with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you're true, and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, meaning not you, you, know, you have no fear of man. For you do not regard the person of man. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Because he's, he's really gentle. Like, he's a... He's just like, yeah, he just loves people. So he's like, why do you judge me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And he said to them, well, render therefore to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. All right. They try to trip Jesus up. He answers them very wisely with what, you know, they weren't expecting but needed to hear. Right? He always does that. And he says, pay taxes and pay God. That word render actually means pay, okay? So pay taxes, right? That's for all y'all too, pay taxes. And, some, and this is hard for me too, right? I pay taxes too. I'm taxed like I'm self-employed, so I pay them quarterly. And it's, and like when, it, when you have to pay more taxes, you're like, what do you, what's the reaction? Ugh. But really, what should be the reaction? Because you pay more taxes when you what? Make more money, right? So you make more money, you pay more taxes. The answer should be, thank you, Lord, for the extra provision, right? But we're always like, ugh. So when we go into taxes with an attitude, a begrudging attitude, a complaining attitude, we're actually like tearing, like not o overlooking the, the fact that the Lord has actually provided more for us so that we do have to pay more taxes, okay? Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. I know that one hurt. I know. But I pay taxes too. And I don't like it either, but I do, I am thankful. Now listen, and then he says, and pay God. You know, and you say, you say, well, well, taxes, Nate, I mean, I, have you seen where our tax dollars get spent? <laughs> yes, I have seen where your tax dollars get spent, because they're my tax dollars too. I homeschool my kids, and I send thousands of dollars to our public school every year. So where's the injustice, okay? Uh, so I, so, but when Jesus said this, 
And I know our government uses some tax dollars for purposes that are not great. But I also know they use some of them for things that you would notice if they went away. Right? Go to a third world country. You won't have to worry about taxes. You also will have to worry about a lot of things that you don't have to worry about here because of taxes. So, okay, this message isn't about taxes. Get over it. Okay. Um, all right, I'll just forget all the rest of those points. But the point of this is, point of this is that verse says pay, the word is pay, pay to Caesar what is Caesar's, and, and then it says, and pay to God what is God's. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I love, whenever I preach about giving, it's so quiet. It's, it's so funny. He is dead. You're right. And Biden's in scripture. His, his, Biden's picture isn't on the money. I know that. Yeah. Some of y'all been out fishing looking for your tax money, right? Like Jesus did. Just pulling in the fish, ripping their mouths open, like, ah, oh. Ripping the next one open, looking for the gold coin. You're like, it's a prophetic act. All right. Listen, when Jesus says, pay to Caesar what's Caesar's and pay to God what is God's, what was understood, listen to me, what was understood when he said that by everyone who heard it was pay your 10% tithe. Okay? Bring it to the storehouse, to the house of the Lord. That's what was understood. And that's what has been understood since long before Jesus said this. Okay? All right. Let's keep going. Hold on. I've heard so many arguments today about, or not today, but maybe later today, but I've heard so many arguments about why tithing is not for today. I mean, from everyone. I'm only 36, and I've been a pastor for like 13 years, and I feel like I've heard too much about it. I know I've not heard it all, but so, but here's my, like, and people can be like, well, 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 you know, well, you know, well, you know, and I always say the same thing. If we have to form an argument for why it's okay to give less, the premise of the argument is in the wrong place. If we, have to, if we have to come up with reasons and look like for a reason to give less, then we've actually missed the New Testament principle, right? We've met, I mean, we've missed the Old Testament principle. We've missed all the principles. We've missed the heart of the Lord. God's heart is so in this. He talks more, Jesus talks about more about money than he does about love or being born again in the New Testament. Do you know that? This is so cool and it's so important. I want you guys to see this. But I've heard things, maybe you've heard this too. We don't need a tithe. That's Old Testament. Jesus never, pre- never, Jesus never told us to uh, in the New Testament. Well, that was the law. We're not under the law. We're under grace. You've heard this stuff before. Okay, just a few things to entertain those arguments because it's fun. One, creation, Ten Commandments, every prophecy about Jesus, me, you, the church, the end times, those are all Old Testament, too, <laughs> and I don't want to throw those out, so I'm just going to hang on to those. Um, the other thing is that Jesus did teach about tithing in the New Testament. Not only did Jesus himself tithe because he was a good Jew, so we can go there, but um, he, he, he actually taught about tithing and rebuking the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 23, when he, when he actually, when they were, they were tithing as a way to basically try to excuse themselves from doing all these other things, right, and he goes, actually, you should have done this thing, tithing, without neglecting, showing mercy, and all of these other things that they were trying to get away with not doing. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, people say, like, oh, it w- that's the law. Well, it was a part of the law, but that's actually not where it started. It didn't start with Moses. It started with Abraham, like 400, 450 years before 
the law. It was written into the law, but that's not who started it. Abraham started it in Genesis 14. So Abraham, he's this dude that's in like the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, right? And Abraham believed God, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. And he's got his list near these names where you're like, ooh, these were heavy hitters. So it might behoove us to, you're welcome, to follow after some of his examples. I don't know. I mean, I think it would, I, I want to model his character, his lifestyle. All right, number three, last thing here, just these little, little arguments here. These are fun. Um, people say, like, we're not under the law, we're under grace. Okay, and I thank God for that. We totally are. We're not under the law because no one could keep it. We're under grace, which is great. I thank God. Um, so the law did require tithing. It required it, meaning if you did not tithe, you broke the law. Okay? The law also said, do not murder, right? You guys know that the law said that. Okay, it said, do not murder. Okay? So Jesus shows up in Matthew 5, and he goes, hey, you guys have heard it said, and he, and he lists a whole bunch of things about the law. But one of the things he goes, hey, you've heard it said, do not murder, which is good. He goes, but I'm actually saying that if you call somebody an idiot, you're also guilty. Okay? That's what he says, and he's establishing this new covenant. He starts saying, you've heard it said, but I'm saying to you. You've heard it said, but I'm saying to you. Okay? So law requires tithing. Grace requires not calling people an idiot. Law says don't murder. Grace says don't call him an idiot. Which one's easier to keep? Grace isn't an excuse. It's an enablement and an invitation. Grace isn't an excuse. Okay, we don't sin and then say grace, right? We don't, I mean, Paul said that. Should I sin more so that grace may abound? No, no, you should not, right? You guys, but you see that? Somebody smile. Thank you. My goodness, guys. Come on. This is good stuff. I hope, that, I hope that you can see how good this is. All right. Pay to God what, what is God's. This actually means, guys, this was revolutionary for me when I looked at this more. Pay to God what is God's means that generosity, say generosity. Generosity, generosity doesn't actually start until after the tithe. You see that? People are like, I've heard people like, I'm super generous. You know, like, first of all, also, if you have to talk about how generous you are. <laughs> I'm the most humble person I know. Like, you, get, you, know, you know what I mean? So we don't, we don't need to tell everybody how generous we are. But generosity from this Bible verse and from, and from another one that I'm going to show you here actually can't start until after the tithe because the tithe is owed. So I'm giving out of obedience the tithe already belongs to God. We're paying to him. In the same way that we pay taxes, we pay our tithe. But giving and generosity starts after that. Isn't that amazing? I love that. So I'm not saying that obedience isn't crucial, because it is. But obedience isn't synonymous with generosity. Um, obedience is still key. You might, like much of what we desire to see in the kingdom is gained when we initiate something through obedience. And here's what I mean with that. It's not, don't make a different theology about, don't get weird. But um, Matthew 5 again. Blessed are those, Alpha Glenn's message last week, talking about mercy. Blessed are those who are merciful for they what? 
they will obtain mercy. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will. So there's something that you do in obedience that leads to something that you gain because of your obedience. Okay, that's just that's a principle that Jesus taught. Okay, so obedience is good. Um, tithing in, in obedience is just one of the hinges on the door to kingdom promise and, and breakthrough. Okay, which brings me to my main point. Okay, it's a lordship thing. It's about lordship. It's not, it's not about splitting hairs over Bible versus Old Testament, New Testament, law, grace. That's not what it's about. Because all of those arguments are rooted from a place of him not being Lord over your finances or over any area of your life where he wants to be Lord and has invited us to make him Lord over every area of our life. It's possible for him to be Lord over here and not Lord over here for us. And we can still be saved. Lordship has a lot to do with where we place him, not where he has placed himself. Does that make sense? Luke 16, uh, verse 13 says, No servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate one and love the other, or he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon, or money, or the God of money. I need two volunteers. Kaylee, Glenn, can you help me up here? Kaylee, up here. It's okay. It's going to be fine. Glenn, right here. Thank you. This is what this verse means, okay? You, you, cannot, you cannot serve two masters. Either I will, it, Glenn's going to represent God, okay? Which is very fitting, I think, okay? And, and don't read into the, what I'm about to do. <laughs> Listen, this is what this verse means. I want you guys to see it. Either he will love one, right, and hate the other, meaning I will love God and hate anything that tries to defile my relationship or my love for God. So anything that gets in the way of that, I'm going to say no, and I'm going to love God because this is my master, or I will cling to or hold on to one like, no, no, this is mine, and then despise when Nate preaches about giving and tithing. You see that? Despise the other. I will despise when the, all the Bible verses that tell me and the principles from Genesis through Revelation that tell me about true generosity and that tell me about lordship and that tell me about true riches. I'll despise it because I'm, I'm holding on to this one. Thank you, guys. Good job. But did you see that? Because lordship is primarily for us. It's for our sake. He doesn't, like, Jesus doesn't need something that I can give him. He doesn't need it. It's, it's primarily for us. He has much that he wants to give us, and so he lets us demonstrate who our Lord is by where we're going to sow our first fruits. All right. We can't really keep that, that verse talking about clinging to one or holding on to one and despising the other. You'll never be able to keep what you hold on to like that. I can show you from Scripture in just a second. You'll never keep it, though. In, in Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14, I'm not going to read the whole passage. I'll sum it up because there's actually other passages that lead into it. But the Israelites were commanded a, um, by the Lord a Sabbath rest right unto the Lord, right? Cease for the purpose of rest and worship for one-seventh of your week. One day, 24-hour period, unto the Lord. Yes? Everybody follow? They were also commanded to let their fields rest every seventh year, right? Don't plant. Don't plant. Just let it rest. Now, that took a lot of faith because if you don't plant, who's going to provide the food? God would have provided. 
right? He does provide. Now, the Israelites, for 490 years, disobeyed him. <laughs> I'm not joking. Yes, for 490 years, they did not let their fields rest once because they were like, we don't understand how that's going to feed us, so we're going to keep doing it. And they understood the laws of an inferior kingdom and made them higher than the laws of his kingdom. And what happened? After 490 years, the Lord sent them into exile for 70 years. Do you know what portion of 490 years 70 years is? Seven. Do you see that? For every year that they did not rest, they were sent into exile. Exactly. <laughs> it's not a coincidence. You can't keep what you hold on to. They're clinging on to it going, no, we're not going to rest it. No, we need the food. No, we're going to obey. What were they doing? Eating their seed. And thank God when we eat our seed, he doesn't throw us into exile because we're under a new covenant. But grace isn't the excuse. It's the enablement and the invitation. Okay, you following? All right, almost done. Some of you are like, God, I have to go to the bathroom again. We can't tap into everything that we're wanting and believing for in the area of breakthrough, revival, miracles, mass salvations, all of these things by obeying the laws of an inferior kingdom. God's kingdom economy, it, it operates in, with different rules. And he's invited us to, he's just really graciously and mercifully, he's invited us to partner with him in that economy. It's incredible. And here's where I get really excited. Because we're not under the law and we're under grace, we're actually not limited by the tithe. This is going to be a two-part message, by the way. I finished my notes. I'm like, good, I'm done. I had like five times as many as I usually do. I was like, oh, that's too many. So uh, we're going to break this into two. But we are invited into generosity by not just ob obedience is the tithe. Offerings are given in Scripture out of honor. And alms are given to meet a need. We're invited into these two huge other realms of giving, which we're going to talk most about uh, the next time. Um, you guys have probably heard it said that, you know, if every, if every member of every church just gave 10% to the church, I'm talking about, so the people that give 15, 20, 25, you know, they give more to their church, if they cut their giving back, but then everybody who doesn't tithe just gave, everybody just gave 10, and that's it, that every single church would be able to do and accomplish every single thing that's on the Lord's heart for them to do without ever having to wonder, will the finances be there to do it? Do you know why that's true? Because God established the principle. He said, you'll never lack. I know a lot of churches that, that have a lot of really good things that they want to be able to accomplish by means of evangelism, outreach, missions, all kinds of stuff. And these are good, but everything costs money. And they, and they just, they have to go, well, we can't. Or that they're struggling because they can, you know, they afford to pay one pastor a part-time salary, and so he has to go get another job, and he's only be able to give half of himself to the work, and so the work struggles. And, I, and I'm telling you, that's not God's heart. Malachi 3.10, I know so many people in here, you're, just, you're not just tithers, you're generous. 
And I mean, I, and I just thank God because I, I know, I mean, that's actually what gives me, that's actually what gives me so much courage to be able to believe for what I'm believing for, that 100% of our people are, are going to be not just tithers, but givers beyond that. Uh, Malachi 3.10, <coughs> classic tithing verse, right? It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. My is capitalized. Take note of that. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Do you see that? He's actually speaking of tithing to the local church. I've heard a lot of people like, yeah, I tithe, but I don't give it all to the church. Well, you should. This is what he meant. When it, bring it into my house, God's house. That's, that's what he's saying. Um, it would have been understood throughout all church history. Uh, you might have heard it said, well, 2 Corinthians 9 and 8, it says that I should give whatever I've decided in my heart. That's what it says. And I say, absolutely, you should give whatever is decided in your heart. That was understood as after the tithe givings. That's, that's giving. That's not paying. It's a different word used there. I looked it up. It's a different word. One's talking about this, like an overflow, a gift, more of a, like you, it, there's no compulsion. It's a... And the other one's talking about payment, something that's owed. So 100% you should give. Kaylee and I, we give about, we have about 15% total. Well, we give five, right? We tithe 10, right? And we, but we get to explore with God. And, and we don't ever want to give less than that. I, wanna, I actually want to die giving 90%. I want to reverse tithe. I've known some people that have done that, and I, I really want to do that. And, but, and it, it's not a, I'm not that good, and I'm not that spiritual, so don't. You don't think that, well, you're a pastor. Of course you can do this. Man, if anything, that means it's harder. But you'll get it later. But, but we, we've decided in our heart that 5%, we get to actually explore with God where we're going to sow it. Missionaries, right? A lot of it goes to missionaries, local, international. Where we get to bless people that, that, that where needs come up with alms. We get to go, hey, we have this money. And we get to bless the need. A lot of times we do it secretively, right? We don't let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. We don't get religious about that necessarily, but the point is we don't let our deeds be shown before men, right? That's the point of that verse, okay? Worship team, come back up. Stay engaged. Did you know that that phrase in Malachi 3.10, I'm telling you, that phrase, I will open up the windows of heaven, exact same Hebrew word, Aruba is the word, exact same Hebrew word during the times of Noah when the expanse opened and water came from the expanse and flooded the earth. Do you know it's the exact same word? See if I will not open up the expanse and flood or pour down blessing that's so big that you won't be able to contain it. That's what the promise says about tithe. Now there are way more promises about sowing and reaping having to do with giving beyond the tithe. But I'm telling you, God, has, he didn't have to do this. Do you see that? He could have been like, tithe because I'm Lord. And we'd be like, okay. And he'd be like, you just trust me, you just tithe. But he's like, no, tithe and see if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out more blessing than you'll be able to hold. And he says, test me in this one time in the Bible. One time. And then in the New Testament, it says, you better not test. Right? And the Lord's like, no, 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 on this one thing, go ahead and test me. I've seen so many, especially young people, so many, especially young people go, Nate, I, wanna t I just want to try tithe. I've never tithed before. And I'm like, watch out. You've never been so blessed. And sure enough, their first tithe, and they come back, and they're like, you have no idea what happened to me this week. I'm like, so, I'm like, so it again, watch. And it, and the, and I, but I watch older people, right, 
I watch older people who maybe be kind of in and out of tithing or like kind of have a church wound or we, we used to tithe and now they, and they'll start tithing and they won't see the results or they won't see the window open as fast. Why is that? You know why? Because you know better. I'm serious. That's what I see. I don't have a verse for it. It's just experience. I've just noticed that when 19-year-olds get saved and they're like, I, want, I think I should start tithing. I've never tithed before. And they tithe. And they'll like they'll put in their $80 tithe or whatever it is. And then they call me. They're like, somebody gave me like $180 this week. I think, I, I think I'm going to give the whole thing. And they give $180. And they come back and they're like, you have no idea what happened. Like this job that I was not qualified for, they called me back and said, I got the job. You have no idea what happened. I got fired from my job. And then the Lord brought me into this amazing, amazing career where now I'm more blessed than I ever could have been at my old job. What happened? Because what happened was you stepped into God's economy. What happened was you trusted him and made him Lord over your finances. You paid your tithe and you gave generously beyond it. And he can't help but fulfill his promise. Do you see that? Can somebody smile? He wants to open up heaven. He wants to open. Say he wants. He wants to open up heaven and pour out blessing over us. He's like sitting there with buckets. Imagine him just sitting with buckets going. He's just waiting. It's beautiful. Two little testimonies and then we'll close. I know it's a little bit later. Sorry. When I got out of high school, my dad helped me tithe when I was young. I worked for him, so he would write me a check with a post-it note attached to it. 60% savings, 30%, you can do whatever you want with, 10% tithe, help me. And so I got, got into a, a rhythm. And then when I got out of high school, <laughs> he didn't post-it note me. Actually, he probably stopped post-itting me like when I was like 14, but I, I was like, oh, I can't afford to tithe. It was the stupidest thing. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that <laughs> because you can't afford not to. I'm telling you, when Kaylee and I have had nothing and there's been several points in our lives, I'm, and I'm not talking, when I say nothing, I'm not saying, and I'm, and I'm not saying we didn't want to spend our money. I'm not saying we had a savings account that we couldn't really tap into because we told her we wouldn't touch it. I'm not saying that we, you know, I'm saying like we sold stuff right? I'm working two or three jobs. I'm saying that we rolled all the coins, that we, we everything was done. Like, I, I'm like, okay, what else do we have that's worth money? Like, I'm asking those questions. Four, five, six, seven, eight days until we get paid. We got two young kids, no money, no groceries, unless we can eat olive oil. And just, you know, it's like an Old Testament story where I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm going to go get some vases. And I'm going to start lining them up. And I'm like, well, what, what are we going to do? And I'm telling you, time after time after time, I'd walk to the mailbox, ask Kaylee. I started walking to the mailbox like four times a day. I know they only come once, but I would, I'd walk four times a day because I'd walk to the mailbox to be a check from a random person thought you might need this over and over and over. And what was the dip? When we would, when I'd get paid, I was insulted. The first paycheck I got when I moved to Texas was a quarter of what I was making in California, a quarter. And I was working like twice as hard and I was making a quarter of the amount of money. And I was like, this is embarrassing. This is stupid. I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? And we tithed off of it. And I needed not just everything that was in the check. We needed way more than what was in the check. 
We needed way more that was in there. They didn't meet our needs, but we never tried to live on 100% of it because if you can't live on 90, you won't live on 100. But he shows up for us time after time and just a, a month and a half ago, my transmission blew up in my truck. We don't have money to fix it. I'm like, I'm not worried, ask Kaylee. Seriously, I usually react really poorly in those situations. And I was just like, it's no big deal. We'll figure it out. God, really what I meant was God's going to have to figure it out, which is great. And I have no reason not to trust him because he's shown up too many times. So we just keep doing everything we know to do. Ryan and Alicia come over to our house for dinner. He's like, hey, why don't you just borrow my truck, which is like my dream truck and a total temptation. He shouldn't have done that because now I don't want to get it back. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think the Lord wants me to repair my truck. I think he wants me to have yours, you know. And... No, but, it, but he's like, he's just drive my truck. And I'm like, okay, thank you. So Kaylee and I were struggling trying to do everything with one car. And it's been a blessing. And then like a week later, I go and check the mail. Gosh, that darn mail, man. I go and check the mail. And there's a check in there from a family. It's, there's the, the money in there is for two different purposes. I did some work back in March for them. And I didn't want any payment for it. And I, and I wasn't planning on ever getting paid for it. It was a joy to be able to do it. I, I went into it going, I'm doing this for free. I'm not going to charge you. And, uh, and then partially a gift. So they said, we want to pay you for the work you did and give you a gift on top of it. It more than covers our transmission. And it's in, my transmission is getting done tomorrow, but don't tell Ryan. So as far as he's concerned, they can't get the parts. So all right. And these are, these are too good, man. I, a couple years ago, about four or five years ago on our anniversary, Kaylee and I, we didn't have any money to go out to dinner. I wanted to take her to dinner, and we didn't have any money to go to a nice dinner. Sorry. And uh, we prayed and just asked the Lord. It was on a Saturday night. It was our anniversary, and we waited. We didn't make any. We just waited, 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 waited. We made plans to go out to dinner. We just didn't know where we were going to go. And so somebody came and watched the kids. I don't remember who probably Marissa, and uh, we, we just went to Chick-fil-A. That's what we could afford. And, uh, and so we, we had a nice dinner. It was really funny because we were in Chick-fil-A, and Carl Sandstrom comes in. <sighs> All right. Carl Sandstrom comes in, and he's picking up food for Patty and, and the kids and grandkids. And he, he's like, hey, what are y'all doing? We're like, oh, it's our anniversary dinner. He's like, awesome. And he pulls up a chair, and he sits with us throughout the whole meal. I'm serious. <laughs> he sits down, and I'm like, bro, what are you doing? And we talked to him for like an hour. I mean, your, your food was probably cold. <laughs> it was because he had the food half the time sitting there and just talked to him and talked to him and talked to him. And, uh, oh, my gosh, it was so funny. And then we, we went home, and it was great. And I thought, well, that was an interesting anniversary date, but it was cool. So the next day at church, somebody comes up to me, and they're like, hey, I, I meant to give you an anniversary gift last week, but I forgot to, I forgot, you know. And, and he hands me a card, and there's like 200 bucks in there. So we had, we went, again, we got a babysitter and went out to a nice dinner. But it, I'm like, I'll never forget our anniversary dinner with Carl. So like he said, he sets us up for these huge things. Are you kidding me? Why? Because we, because we stepped into his economy. Man. The ne- oh, man. I, I keep talking. I'll save some of them for next time. Would you stand, please?
Sorry, this stuff gets me pretty excited. I have like 150 testimonies and I share two, so. And you guys have, I know so many of you carry testimonies. Ashton, I remember your testimony from years ago. You said it on the mic right here and it's only increased for you. It's only gotten better. God doesn't promise that if you tithe, he's gonna make you rich. That, that's not the promise. The promise is so much bigger than that. He's gonna open up heaven and pour out blessing so abundant you won't have room for it. Man, would you just close your eyes? Just try to look at the Lord for a moment. This is how we're gonna respond today. If you're, if you're in the group of people that have been hurt, you found yourself either hurt because of an abuse that you've seen with finances in the church or you're hurt because you're holding on to that thing and despising when pastors and teachers talk about biblical tithing and giving, I just want you to write, I mean, you have to forgive and let go and you have to repent for your own good. It's not for my good, my goodness. It's for your good. This is all for your good. You have to stand in right standing before the Lord. You can't stand there with unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart over this. You can't stand there with, a, with saying like, yeah, I believe God except for this area. I believe God except for here. Or yeah, tithing's, the Lord told me I don't have to tithe. Or my tithe goes somewhere else. Man, if you don't trust your local church to handle your tithe, go to a church that you can trust. If you cannot trust the leaders in your church to steward the money that you've been commanded to give, go to another church where you can. For your own good. You know how hard that is to say as a pastor? I mean, it's easy, but it's hard. But I'm telling you, it's for your own good. If you're in the group of people that just faithfully tithes, I want you to pray right now and ask the Lord to show you what it looks like to be generous beyond there. Lord, show us what it looks like to explore 11, 12, 13, 14, 15%. Show us what it looks like to explore 50%. Show us what it looks like, Lord, to just keep recasting seed, to keep throwing it back out there for a greater harvest, Lord. Show us what it looks like. If you're in the group or you're radically generous, I want you to pray over the rest of us. Pray over the rest of us, Lord, would you give grace right now for generosity, for extravagant giving? Thank you, Lord, for the biblical beginning standard of 10%, but Lord, we pray for extravagance, Lord, because you're extravagant. Lord, I thank you that you didn't have to promise any blessing in connection with our giving. You didn't have to promise anything, but you chose to say, when you do this, I will pour out so much that you will not be able to hold it. And so Lord, right now we just say in faith, even just put it on your lips, say just, I trust you, Lord, with my finances. I trust you, Lord. I trust your word. I believe the word of God. I believe the word of God that 10% of my increase, 10% of my family's increase already belongs to you and I will not rob you of it, Lord. And teach me what it means, Lord, to be generous beyond this. Teach me what it means, Lord, to be generous beyond this. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Glenn is gonna come up and lead us in our, our ministry time. You guys are, you know, you've, you're obviously free to go whenever you want. Thanks for not leaving in the middle or beginning of this message. 
<laughs> I mean, I would have been okay, I think, but it would have been weird. So, but that's great. So, um, you're free to go whenever you want to. Don't forget to go get your kids. But I just, I want to bless you guys right now. I bless you with, I believe you have everything that you need. I believe I have everything that I need to go out and do everything that the Lord has called us to do for the purpose of expanding his kingdom, for the purpose of bringing his realities in heaven to earth as much as we can before Jesus returns. Somebody say amen. All right, Pastor Glenn. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.